Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. The ride starts next Wednesday. Our, our analysis of training camp 2022, ready to, training camp 2022, ready to ride. Next week will we'll be presented by Elite Sportsbook. So the the ride starts on Wednesday. Looking forward to being out there and uh, seeing all this stuff super up close. Uh, practices usually kick off around 10 a.m., so that'll be about halfway through the show. Nate and I will get the chance to. Give you the the details of what we're seeing with our own eyes out there at uh, Bronco Camp. Um, With Kyler Murray's deal yesterday, making him the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL, surpassing Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, $46 million a year average. uh, Kyler Murray coming at $46.1 million. (laughs) Semantics. (laughs) What's it's, it's, point one between friends, right? Uh, well, you and your agent gotta have a, a, a win, and you gotta say you you are the second highest paid because uh, Aaron Rodgers clearly up top at uh, fifty million dollars a year average. Um, with that Kyler Murray news, um, do you where do you see Russell Wilson being slotted in in this quarterback hierarchy? Well, he's better than both those guys. He's not younger. Than both of those guys. But which, when you say both those guys, you're talking about Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun, and uh, Kyler. He, I think he's better than both those guys. Okay, right. And part of it is because of his leadership, right? But part of it is because of his maturity. Kyler Murray last year checked out, right? Pouted on the sideline. Um, some things that are unbecoming of your quarterback and can divide your locker room, right? Um, and then Deshaun Watson obviously has what Deshaun Watson has going on. So both of their decision-making has been called into question, and justifiably so, in the last, even within the last year. Russell Wilson doesn't bring that kind of problem to the table. That has value, right? I don't know what kind of dollar you can attach to that, but it still has value. Mm-hmm. So I believe he's better than both of those guys. Uh, I don't believe he's as good as Aaron Rodgers, but he's also younger than Aaron Rodgers. So give me somewhere between the two. Give me the 46.3 (laughs) (laughs) or something like that. From a a timing perspective, uh, would you try to get it done before training camp this year, which is only five days away, uh, sometime during the season, uh, after next season? Or are you going to try to let this thing go all the way out to his contract expires and Russell Wilson has a chance to flirt with free agency? Well, the problem with trying to do it now is that there's so there's too much new. There's too much new going on. You, you, you're going to give yourself the dirty room syndrome. I always say the dirty room syndrome is you got so much, your room's so dirty you don't know what to pick up first. Right. right? So you don't want to add an additional layer to that. Um, you've got a new head coach. You've got new ownership. You've got a new quarterback. Um, you, you've got... The expectations now that haven't been um, valid in years prior to this. So I would try to keep that on the table. The other reason I wouldn't try to negotiate is because it can't be denied that feelings get involved in this thing, right? Sometimes you feel slighted or you didn't like what he said at the negotiation table. And you don't want any type of... um, hurt buttedness going on <laughs> because negotiations get personal. Yes right? yes or no? Uh, 
they, yes, on the player side, you can't help but take their financial value they place upon you personally. Yes. So you, you, you don't want that in your building right now. You, you can't afford to have that in your building right now. There's too many unknowns. Let let the dust settle a little a little bit. Let the Waltons stock the fridge, and then you can get into some of those things. I don't think it, the time is right now. I don't think the, I don't think you let this thing get into next year, obviously because the price tag increases. But right now, you just don't need that type of energy in your building. Now, Lamar Jackson famously has not hired an official agent. He he hires lawyers on a you know an hourly basis to help negotiate his contract. He and his mom are deeply personally involved in this. Um, I understand the savings that can come from that approach. Um, But to your point, I think as a player, if you begin to get deeply and intimately involved in these negotiations, um, the chance for hurt feelings just gets super strong. Um, the, The club has an obligation to, you know, try to lower your cap, value or cap number not to you know rob from you they obviously have to come in at a, at a acceptable pay level for your status in the league and who you are um, so it's not like they're trying to just lowball you completely but they're not looking to break the bank or set the market either um, with their first offers so there's there's that contentious point of how many years of, of a contract as you get older um can the contract uh, have some funny money in it because only a X amount of the contract is guaranteed as you get older? Teams look to do that. Heck, the, the uh, Packers played funny games with Aaron Rodgers, and he's you know the top quarterback in the game. So for you know Lamar Jackson and his mother who are negotiating this deal, as you shake your head over there, you somebody say his mother. Um, I think that sets you up for some antagonistic feelings towards the club, towards ownership, towards the team. Um, so I, I didn't always appreciate writing that big check at the end of every season to my agent. Um, that wasn't very fun. Um, but I also thought it was best for him to handle that because I don't want to have this antagonistic relationship with the owner, with the front office, with the GM, with the contract guy who I see every day in the building. I didn't want that to be a part of our relationship. Um, so, I'll, you know, I, I thought I was capable of understanding the lay of the land and looking around at other contracts and trying to, you know, judge what I think my value is and where I should be slotted. Um, but I also thought it was better for someone else to handle that for me to avoid those feelings towards my own club. Yeah. I, I just shake my head because... You know, his his relationship with his mother is what it is, right? And it's special to him, obviously, and and God bless him for that. But family in that in your business negotiations, you see horror stories on TV about it all the time. You, you see KD's mom, you know, going off. And, and typically, you know, they take the social media and it becomes public and it just makes things ugly. So I just, I think clean business says you get a professional and the cost is the cost, right? This is what you got to play the game. Um, you get a professional to combat the professionals because when you go into that office, they're writing contracts for all the other guys in the locker room too. So the experience alone makes them more savvy. It makes them kind of put some fine print in there that you may not be able to navigate on your own, right? Hiring the lawyer is really, really smart, 
right? But I want somebody who does this for a living day in, day out doing that. So, um, and again, it does kind of separate the business and the personal side of it. So obviously the way you did it was probably, or in my opinion, the way you did it was the smarter way to go about it. Russell Wilson clearly has a team around him. No problem with that. Yeah, so yeah. he's not showing up to George Payton's office and they're, you know, passing a piece of paper back and forth with some numbers on it. That's yeah. not how this whole thing is going yeah. down. So Russell Wilson's team, I'm sure, is actively in- involved in this. I'm sure Russ gets updates. Um, but uh, I think as a player, you cannot live and die. Uh, you cannot be holding your breath for oh, what they come back with. What's the latest numbers? You know, if you are if you are like that, it's going to go away uh, for you personally. That I think is not going to help you prepare to play great football mm. all the time. There's going to be a roller coaster ride through the negotiation process, particularly for one that I think that is is probably as complicated as this for Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson. They are younger. So the, the the club is willing to do a longer-term deal. Here, what is our window for Russell Wilson? How comfortable are we with the amount of guaranteed money considering he's he is on the other side of 30? Um, he keeps himself in great shape. He does everything right. But it is inevitable that the human body breaks down. Not everybody can play into their 40s like Tom Brady. Uh, we saw Drew Brees with a rather steep decline the last couple seasons. That was a physical decline. Mentally, Drew Brees still had it all. But the physical decline was there. Yeah. And as a shorter, smaller quarterback, I think in some ways that was exacerbated for Drew Brees and his ability to deliver good footballs around the football field uh, because he didn't have the same leg strength and same oomph that he had early in his career. And as a shorter quarterback, you throw more from your legs than just from an arm windup. So there's lots of factors here at play that could make this a fairly contentious negotiation as they try to hammer out some of the finer details. Yeah, we and we've seen this show before. Even Peyton Manning, Von you know, Miller, Von, yeah, yeah, it was it's, a slam dunk. Von Miller yeah. deserves to get paid. Yep. It got so ugly. Von Miller was cutting out John Elway out of Instagram photos. You know what I'm saying? Right. So when you get involved personally, then personal feelings come up. Then you start having this weird relationship with people in the building. That's how money works. Yeah, it's just this is how it is. So yeah, now's not the time. Okay, yeah, stay on the honeymoon. Okay. Stay there for a little bit. All right. So you so just to sum it up, you say let him play through this season, get this done after the season. Now we'll get give everybody a fair assessment of where Russell Wilson is and what his value should be. Well, hopefully he plays really well and you right. feel better about giving him the money. Right. Well, and and the Walton Ownership Group certainly has the money to pull all of this off. When we come back, uh, we'll be talking with Troy Rank and dialing in uh, just a couple of days here before the kickoff of Broncos training camp. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. All right, uh, we are efforting to uh, connect with uh, Troy Rank, so we will bring him on as soon as he is available. Um, You, uh, Kyle Reese, are a football coach, and this one struck me. Uh, The Patriots have announced their roles for their their coaches for this year and their titles. Okay. They go into the season without an offensive coordinator. And they go into the season without a defensive coordinator. How important, from a coaching perspective, is the are those titles? Does it have any effect whatsoever 
Now, Bill Belichick has always been one to, you know, defy, uh, defy conventional football thinking. Um, I can't think of another team that has gone into the season without either one of those titles uh, on board and, and in place. Now, so who's calling the plays? It sounds like it's maybe either Joe Judge or Matt Patricia, both former NFL head coaches. So there's coaching experience, but they don't have the title. So Joe Judge will be working with the quarterbacks. Matt Patricia will be working with the offensive line. So maybe they'll share and split play calling duties. But don't forget, the Patriots haven't had a defensive coordinator by title since 2017. Yeah, that doesn't worry me at all. Okay. Uh, the Josh McDaniels effect, though, like him or not, he could call some plays. Yes. So uh, that impact, I think you're going to see early. And the fact that they're reluctant to name anybody as the OC um, says that Josh McDaniels has left the building and he has not been replaced adequately. So that that scares me a little bit. That's weird. I, we'll obviously have to circle back around to that because we've got Troy here. So Yeah, yeah, we'll see how this yeah. plays out in the future. We bring on uh, Troy Rank, our Denver 7 Broncos Insider, presented by ROX Rocks Heating and Air. Happy Friday to you, Troy. Appreciate it, guys. Hope all's well. Yeah, it is well. It is well. Uh, with the news of uh, Kyler Murray's uh, deal yesterday, making him the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL behind Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers at $50 million bucks a year average. Kyler Murray at $46.1 million average. Uh, the conversation now shifts to... What uh, kind of numbers for Russell Wilson, and when do you think the Broncos will get this done? Yeah, it's a great question because if I'm Russell Wilson, there's no way I'm taking less than Kyler Murray in terms of AAV, in terms of average annual value. It's got to be more than that. He's a nine-time Pro Bowler who's won a Super Bowl ring. I understand he's much older, but he's better. And so would he want to – I've heard, you know – from multiple sources, differing things that Russ would be open if the new ownership, which will become official on August 9th, wants to come to him with the deal and also decide that Russell has no, no problem betting on himself. Clearly he did by kind of orchestrating his move to the Broncos and that he would have no problem waiting because the quarterback money is continuing to just explode in terms of, especially in guaranteed money. Uh, so what would that look like? I, I don't know. I, I just believe in AAB, it's going to be more than Kyler Murray. Murray's guarantee, fully guaranteed money came in today at 103 million, and with the possibility of 160, depending on you know it's, all these contracts are a little different, but it's 103 million guaranteed. If you're Russell Wilson, you could certainly ask for more than Kyler Murray if you want to do it before camp. But Chad, would he wait? and see if Lamar Jackson gets a deal, and then ask for more than Lamar Jackson. Because if I'm Lamar Jackson, I absolutely are asking for more money than Kyler Murray because I'm a former MVP. So I think that's what's interesting here. And the guys who are going to get paid from all this are Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Wow. I hadn't even thought about those guys, but yeah, it definitely factors into the equation. Hey, hey I'm looking at an article that's talking about uh, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon and uh, predicting some career numbers uh, for Jav- Javante, obviously, and uh, even in a pretty good performance from Melvin Gordon. Tell me why Javante gets to 1,100 yards this year. Well, I just think he's going to, and I did a long piece on this, and I'm not sure if you're referring to mine on the yes, channel.com yes, and, and it's just, I believe in looking at Nathaniel Hackett's offense the last three years, how he used his top two bats, and specifically last year with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, Dillon ended up leading them 
in attempts and yards, even though we only started two games. And that gives you an idea, at least a glimpse into how this could play out with Javante Williams. Even if Javante doesn't start week one, I ultimately think he'll start more. But there's room for them to both produce with Javante getting more carries than the, the, the Hackett offense in Green Bay. No running back in their top two average fewer than 4.2 yards carry. So I think it'll be more like 4-5, four, 4-6. Four, That's similar to a number both Melvin and Javante had last year. The trick will be, and how I think they both can prosper, is that Javante ends up with 1,100 yards, maybe 1,150. Maybe he's at six, seven touchdowns. There's room then for Gordon to be around 650. I don't know if he could get to 700 because they're going to pass more with Russell. But he could have 600, and Melvin Gordon could catch 45 passes and score five touchdowns that way. He has been so underutilized in the passing game in his two years in Denver. He averaged 50 receptions a year in his previous three years with the Chargers before joining the Broncos. And then their Broncos offense, I tell you, at times it smelled like that steam water from a hot dog at a a fast food joint. I mean, what are we doing here? It's just so bad. And that's why I think they both can prosper. They have a good relationship. As long as there's no drama with it, I believe they're a much better team with both of them on it. Right, I'll top your uh, hot dog water with that uh, that juice that comes out of the bottom of a dumpster, that dumpster juice. That's uh, what I would think of sometimes with this Broncos offense. Yeah. Uh, with the uh, move of Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos, Troy, optimism and positivity is certainly abound here in Denver. But with Pro Football Focus releasing their top 50 football players going into the 2022 season, not a single Bronco makes the list. The Madden releases their receiver rankings, not a Bronco on their receiver rankings. ESPN does their list. Broncos are not showing up anywhere on these lists. How do you marry that with the optimism that's currently felt here in the city with the maybe pessimism that's felt nationally in these folks making these lists? Well, it, it just speaks to how bad they've been for the last five years outside of a couple of players in terms of national recognition. Part of the reason you don't get in some of these lists is you're a terrible team. That's just the reality of it. You're, and they didn't have a primetime game last year, Chad. I mean, they were just they're, – they're bad and boring, and that ends up affecting the perception of some players outside of, frankly, Justin Simmons, Von Miller – there weren't a lot of guys. Javante Williams got some run nationally because of his Batman, boom, pow, bang, running style. But how many other guys did we talk about on the Broncos? They didn't have a pro bowler last year. Uh, again, Simmons was a, an all-pro in that regard. But how do you reconcile the optimism of 11-6, and 10-7? and Because they're so significantly better at quarterback. I mean, that, that's the reality of it. During the, uh, when I looked since 2016, Wilson, 186 touchdowns, 53 picks. You know, during that time, the Broncos quarterbacks were so much worse than that. You're talking about 115 touchdowns, 90 picks. I mean, they're just so significantly better at the most important position in the league and now have an offensive minded head coach. That's it. But I just looked at, I'm posting my next storyline piece on the DenverChannel.com on the receivers. I mean, you talk about a group that we locally like. That group has to significantly improve. Outside of Tim Patrick, who's a pickup truck, old reliable, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton have to significantly improve. I mean, Sutton had 25 catches over the last 11 games last year. He did not have a touchdown over the last 11 games. We railed Judy for not having a touchdown in 10 games. Sutton didn't have one in the last 11 and they didn't have a touchdown when the two of them played together last year. 
Sutton and Judy. That's what has to change significantly. So, Chad, the optimism is it's literally going to go from an acoustic offense to an electric offense from 19 points a game to 25 to 28. That's where it starts. That's how they get to 10-11 wins is they are so improved offensively. Uh, Troy, last one for me. Um, Number one storyline going into Wednesday. Well, if you want to take Russell Wilson out of it, just because he's the obvious one. For me, there's one that we haven't talked about as much because Wilson overshadows everything, is Nathaniel Hackett. First-time head coach, first-time deep coordinator, first-time offensive coordinator, first-time special teams coach. That's a lot of new guys in positions they've never been in before. And also... Can Nathaniel Hackett, because he's going to caffeinate it. There's going to be music. The fans, Broncos country is going to see the energy. They're going to love it, especially the juxtaposition to the past three years. But can he hold guys accountable and make them uncomfortable? I've asked him that multiple times. He says yes. Players have told me he has created a standard and has no problem making players uncomfortable. And... Can he hold himself accountable that when things go sour, can he fall on the sword? That was one of the biggest issues with Fangio is he almost never took responsibility for anything, he or his coordinators, other than McMahon, who fell on the sword every week because they were terrible on special teams. But that's part of what I want to see in a storyline is what does that look like with Hackett beyond the energy and the enthusiasm? Can he hold players accountable consistently? And can he hold himself accountable consistently in that role? Great stuff, Troy. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you out there next week at practice. Can't wait, guys. Take care. That's Troy Rank, our Denver Sever Broncos insider, presented by ROX Rocks Heating and Air. Training Camp 2022, Ready to Ride T-shirts. Camp kicks off next week, Wednesday to be in fact. That means it's time for one of our great fan traditions, giving away our free limited edition Extra Soft. Man, you got to fill these T-shirts. Our next giveaway is today at noon at Breaks Plus in Superior. Uh, shirts are available while supplies last, limit one per person. Our camp shirts are in high demand every year. So make sure you get there early if you want a shirt. You can check out our full sh- listings of T-shirt drops on DenverFan.com slash shirt. When uh, Kyle and I come back, it is the final weekend before training camp. What are we most excited about? We will talk about that next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Heads ringing for sure. Uh, Kyle Reese filling in for Nate Jackson. This is Chad and Nate. Happy Friday out there to everybody. I uh, was scrolling through Twitter during the break, uh, looking at Andrew Mason's uh, Twitter feed. He's got the uh, Madden ratings for the quarterbacks, the quarterback position. Um, if you had to guess where Russell Wilson came down in the Madden ratings as far as all the uh, quarterbacks listed. 11. 11. Okay. All right. Uh, That's a guess now. He's got, uh, well, Madden has Russell Wilson tied for eighth place. Okay. With Lamar Jackson. So uh, Tom Brady with a 97 grade. Uh, Aaron Rodgers with a 96. Patrick Mahomes with a 95. Josh Allen with a 92. Joe Burrow with a 90. Dak Prescott with an 89. 
Justin Herbert with an 88. Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson uh, tied at 87. And Matt Stafford coming in at 85. That, ends, that uh, takes care of the top 10 right there. And, and when the ESPN rankings came out a uh, week ago, whatever it was, it felt right in, in that 6 to 8 range. Mm-hmm. I, I can see that. I was thinking 11 just because I just got done reading the pro football focus. They had him ranked below J- James Winston. So, <laughs> may, so maybe I needed a little reset back to center because of that. But that sounds about right. I, I'm thinking somewhere in that 6 to 8 range. And um, thank you for upping my 11 because that could have gotten worse. Now, this is, uh, you know, going back to last year's uh, Bronco quarterbacks, uh, Teddy Bridgewater is uh, a 75, tied for 22nd, and Drew Locke is uh, a 66, tied for 47th. You upgraded that thing a little bit. <laughs> you made a jump. Yes. So the, the optimism that we talked about with Troy Rank during the last segment is based on Russell Wilson. And as we go into training camp, uh, I think Russell Wilson is obviously the thing that's excites the Bronco fans uh, the most, but I'll jump upon or lean upon Troy's point uh, outside of Russell Wilson. It's got to be Nathaniel Hackett. At least for me, it is. Um, having done my coaching internships, I have a much, much deeper appreciation than I ever did as a player for the difficulty of the job of a head coach, um, how important that job is, um, how important and how influential that guy is to not just the players, but the rest of the staff, everyone in the building, that man and his attitude and his demeanor and what he brings into the office every day sets the tone for the entire organization. I know ownership is up top and they certainly have a hand in setting the tone, but the head coach and how he deals with people, how he works with people, um, that means so much across the board to the folks in the dining hall, the folks cutting the grass, the, the guys cleaning the locker room, the guys in the locker room, the players, the training staff, the front office personnel, all those people are looking to this guy. Um, and so it's a very, very difficult job. And so for Nathaniel Hackett to be doing it here in year one, and as we have talked about a number of times, offense, defense, and special teams coordinators are also in year one, trying to figure all that out while he's trying to get himself married to a, a new quarterback and meld their two offensive styles together into one. There's a lot on Nathaniel Hackett's plate um, and kind of striking that balance that he was talking about, uh, well, Troy Rank was talking about, of the super positive Nathaniel Hackett that we've seen uh, from a media perspective versus some of the you know more tough, rough conversations and holding guys accountable that you have to do as a head coach. How does he strike that balance? Looking to see... What Nathaniel Hackett brings is going to be perhaps the most interesting part of training camp for me. I know I'm excited about seeing Russell Wilson, but I think I got a good idea what with with what which Russell Wilson will bring every day. I'm not sure about Nathaniel Hackett. I'm very excited to see that. Yeah, it's it's intriguing because I can't remember if we had the conversation on air, but he has to decide who he's going to be, and he's got to be that consistently and. It really doesn't matter what the personality type is because we see that there's more than one way to get it done. We've watched Dungey get it done from a really laid-back perspective. We've watched Belichick do it from a stoic perspective. We've watched McVay get it done with a very high-energy perspective. So whoever you are, you've got to be consistent in that, and and the players got to know that they can count on you to be that player, that coach each and every day. So, um, And then the other thing is when you make a mistake, because you will as a coach – 
that that doesn't rise to the surface and it doesn't wind up on our airwaves. So <laughs> it, it, because that happens, right? Right. You know, you, you look at the Gruden situation a few years ago and, and even in the Shanahan era in Washington, some of those things begin to get into the media. And right. And, and that was the beginning of the end for them. Mm-hmm. So um, so to keep those things in-house, resolve them, have a system for resolving them, um, I think is going to be one of the big, big challenges for for him as a head coach. So. Yeah, I mean, the head coach, uh, there's a lot of challenges. And I think it's one of those things that you don't know uh, until you know. And, uh, you know, as <laughs> on a small level, I understand. Right. <laughs> my, you know, my, my CU teammate, uh, Vance Joseph, you know, obviously his tenure here wasn't tremendous. But one of the first things that caught me off guard when I, when he did a, a, a more casual after the introductory press conferences interview was, I'm surprised at all the media obligations of this job and it demands upon my time. And so this was a guy who had been a defensive coordinator in Miami, had been in the NFL for a long time as a position coach. And and he still had no idea. And he still was surprised at all those demands and pulls upon his time. So uh, for a guy who had been in the NFL for a decade plus, uh, maybe decades plus by that point, um, had – a, a genuine shock at, 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 at what was being asked of him and how many decisns he had to make. Uh, I was thinking, yeah, I think Nathaniel Hackett uh, is prepared, but again, you don't know what you don't know until you know kind yeah. of thing. And so he's going to quickly find this out, and he's going to have to hit the ground running. So hopefully, these last couple of days before training camp, uh, yeah, he's not trying to figure out. Uh, you know, what book I'm going to read in my off time because uh, there ain't going to be much of that There's available. Of that. Yeah, he is going to be need to be dialed in from, you know, 5 a.m. until, you know, midnight, basically, getting this grind going and understanding the, the demands of this role and such high expectations. Typically, when a new coach comes in, it's because things weren't very good. It wouldn't have been available if it was a great job. Right, and the opportunity for... Uh, a, a window of ramp up time is there. We're hitting the ground running here. You got players, Tim Patrick, saying Super Bowl or bust. The optimism in the city is incredibly high. We talked about the Broncos' first preseason game being the most expensive ticket of the entire NFL preseason landscape. So Nathaniel Hackett cannot afford to learn on the job, so to speak. He's got to find a way to hit the ground running. I want to keep diving into. This training camp, uh, what we're worried about, what we're concerned about, we'll talk about some of that next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 1043, The Fan. Kyle Reese in for Nate Jackson, and we are talking about uh, this is the last weekend before the Broncos kick off on practice on Wednesday. Outside of Russell Wilson. Yes. I kind of broke down my Nathaniel Hackett uh, thoughts last segment. Outside of those two pieces, what has you excited, scared, concerned, worried, optimistic about this Broncos team? When I look at the defensive side of the ball, um, I think there were some opportunities last year, particularly on third down, to to capitalize and keep the team in the game, and uh, and it didn't happen, you know. And and part of it is just. You know, man, we're on the field for 65, 70% of the game. You know, you're going to have some some letdowns there. They just came at really bad times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to see where the defense, the energy of the defense for one, and 
um, where they can capitalize on those opportunities and create some opportunities for the offense. Um, so you want to see guys flying around. You want to see high energy. You want to see guys finishing plays in practice, mm-hmm. running to the ball in practice. Um, and they're pros, right? So you do those things, but there's you can tell the difference when those things are being emphasized from the coaching staff down to the players. So uh, I, I'd like to keep an eye on that. That's that's going to be one of the huge storylines. How can they be an opportunistic defense, um, hoping that the 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 time of possession has been tipped? I understand that. I have been a part of some Seahawks teams where we weren't very good offensively, so defensively we were out there for you know sixty five plus percent of the snaps, and and that ain't fun. At some point, you know, you start saying in the huddle, somebody got to make a play, man. <laughs> somebody got to make a play. Come on, you know, because you you just want to get off. Let's just get off the field. Right. Someone make a play. Let's punch a ball out, tip a ball, interception, something. Somebody got to make a play. And I'm sure that was said on the field for that Broncos defense uh, uh, more than a few times last year mm-hmm. because there were games where, you know, the offense had gotten a, a slim lead and it was up to defense to hold up. But, uh, you know, you expose your defense to any offense in the league enough times. You give an offensive coordinator 75, 85 cracks at you, he's going to find something. You can limit him to 55 or 65 cracks, so it's going to less opportunity for him to find something. So getting off the field and then having an offense that provides some balance, that will be key to this defense, not having those kind of wilting moments mm. that you are speaking about that we saw last year. How about anything else for you? Oh, obviously, the receivers are a big deal, right? And we've made a big deal about them not being acknowledged publicly or nationally. And so... Uh, those guys in timing, those guys in synergy. Uh, the problem with it is I don't know that you're ever going to be able to tell it in practice, right? Because one on you, oh, the defensive guys, right? One-on-ones are our offensive drill. Of course, you're going to, you're supposed to complete the ball seven on seven. That's an offensive period. You're supposed to complete the ball in those periods. So you're really not going to get a tail until you get some live action on those guys. Uh, but you do want to see timing. You do want to see competition. It's still the receiver room. But you still want to see physicality, right? And so um, keeping an eye on those things, um, some of which you'll be able to see in practice, some of it you won't be able to see till the first preseason game, maybe even beyond that. Yeah, there's always going to be, uh, you know, the first couple of days of practice when, you know, they're, they're, they're through their ramp up here before they can wear pads. There'll be, you know, some good-looking plays by receivers. Um, and Ooh. People will write about it, and it'll make the news clips, and it's like, that's not even real football. Y'all, wait till we get to some real football before we start evaluating some of these guys and how great they're going to be this year. I understand, you know, we as a media, we are in the hype business. Yes. So, you know, someone has a hype play, well, then he's the star of the day. And uh, never mind that it was, you know, a, a non-competitive period, but hey, he had a spectacular catch and it looked like a deep ball, so this guy's going to be star of the day. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this receiver group and Russell Wilson gel together. Who is a receiver that emerges from this room as the go-to guy? Who's Mr. Reliable? All those kind of things. Because I'd imagine I haven't come across a quarterback yet who didn't try to find somebody who he could have such a blanket absolute trust with. I'm sure Russell Wilson is still seeking that guy. You had your time at his facility out there in in San Diego. So I'm sure there's a sense of who these guys are, but until the bullets start flying, as we like to say, you don't really know. Yeah. And Russell, you know, he made a lot of guys 
Um, he got the most out of a lot of guys in Seattle. Uh, I think that a guy like Jermaine Curse, mm-hmm. he played his best football because he was playing with Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. right? And you haven't heard from him since, really. Uh, Tyler Lockett, you got a lot out of him. Doug Baldwin, who I think is an excellent football player, but it didn't hurt that he was playing with Russell. So you want to see who can kind of embody some of those roles. Golden Tate is another one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Who can t- take on some of those roles and um, and, and kind of – lean into um, some of those personality traits because they weren't necessarily the most heralded guys out in Seattle, mm-hmm. but they still had a lot of productivity. Well, I think it's all about establishing that, that level of, of trust. You're, you are where I expect you to be, Jerry Judy. Um, you know, so the, the, yes, the, the route running videos are fantastic and dynamic, but in the end, I need you to be where you are supposed to be at this particular time. When my foot goes down on my third step or my fifth step, I need you to be two yards outside the hash at 12 yards depth. I need you to be in this spot. And if you're not, then I got to look someplace else. So despite you having this tremendously awesome route, if it doesn't time up, I need it to time up from a quarterback perspective. No doubt. Yeah. Um, what else? What else? What else? That's, that's the lie that Instagram will tell you to. You know, when you when you tune in and you watch some of these guys uh-huh. working out and doing their their trainings and all that. Oh man, Would you, tell me why Jerry Judy's not playing better. Well, because you're watching his Instagram workout, and he may not necessarily be as good as the video as that hype video tells you that he is. Right. So um, don't 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 fall into the illusion of what you see on social media because what happens on the football field is a completely different ball game. Okay. Okay. I kind of get I, I kind of get on my my soapbox about that too because no. because it can teach a lot of bad habits, right? Especially uh-huh. for young kids, and um, and you know you can't do the same drills as Jerry Judy. He's he's a world class athlete. Whether you like whether you believe it or not, whether you, he's he's one of those guys. He's in the NFL, right? So don't take your coaching tips from there. <laughs> Football's a team game, and in the end, uh, I think all the individual drills they have a place. For honing your technique, but in the end, it's about your connection with another guy. If it's even if even from a pass rush standpoint, if I'm working pass rush games, I'm working with this defensive tackle. I'm dependent upon him; he's dependent on me. If I'm playing quarterback, I'm dependent upon my receiver being in a certain place at a certain time. And if he's not there, then we just don't have no chance of making a connection, regardless of how beautiful your Instagram routes are, regardless of uh, how clean your release is. If you're not in this certain spot, then we cannot connect and the play starts to break down around us. So um, the wide receiver connection, uh, more so the timing of it all is going to be interesting because it's more than just uh, Jerry Judy has an equation on this, but it's also Nathaniel Hackett. He wants Russell Wilson to get rid of the ball sooner. Russell Wilson wants to hold the ball, I think, as a mindset because he's always looking to make a bigger or better play. Does Russell Wilson begin to accept, quote-unquote, what the defense has given him or keep the play within the play design? I know that 17-yard out route looks tremendous, but this play is designed for this six-yard route for us to move the chains. 
can Russ be disciplined enough to be able to do those kinds of things? And some of that is about unselfish play, too, right? Because even as you're talking about your stunts and games and twists and all those things that happen up front, some of that isn't about you getting to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, a lot of the time, it's about the guy next to you getting freed up, right? Are you willing to do that for him? Are you willing as a defensive lineman to two-gap and keep guys off your linebackers? You know, there's there's a lot of things that aren't necessarily about you that you have to do on the football field. Receiver, are you going to run that clear out route fast? Are you are you not going to turn your eyes too early and put the defender back in the game? You know, those things aren't about you. They are about the offense and the the entire team. Are you willing to do some of the dirty work that doesn't necessarily put you on Sports Center? I think uh, a lot of young players in the NFL have to learn or need to learn as time goes along. Not every play is your play to make. Mm. And it's hard for some guys to, to accept that. What do you mean, uh, particularly on defense? What do you mean it's not my tackle to make? Anybody can make a tackle. Yeah, you can, but your job is to spill this to someone else so he can make right. the tackle. Um, and your job, Jerry Judy, is to clear this out so Tim Patrick can make this catch. Um, and so just can't be dance at the line of scrimmage. You have to clear this guy out. And I need that guy five yards away from Tim Patrick when Tim Patrick gets his space to give Russell Wilson the proper window to throw this football. Those intricate details can't be accomplished in San Diego. They can't be accomplished with your personal drills. They only can be accomplished once you come together as a team. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Kyle Reese these last couple days uh, from the 303 on the text line. Who's this guy on air with Chad Brown today? He's really good. Oh, man. So uh, I'll I was take it and run. Gordo giving you a shout-out. I will, I will echo that shout-out by Gordo. Uh, it's been a lot of fun with you. Um, I will see Nate next week, but uh, I'm sure we'll hear more from you as this football season rolls along. I will be back. Yes, That's there the we terminate. go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone out there, have a tremendous weekend. Hope the rest of your Friday is great, and I can't wait till Broncos get rolling next week. Stokely and Zach, they're next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.